0: Hello and welcome to the Rugby Show here on the 42.ie Ireland are two for two in the Women's Rugby World Cup but my god they made hard work of it against Japan. My own name is Gavin Casey and I am delighted to be joined once more by the legend that is Lynne Cantwell. <laughs> Lynn, how are things?
1: Good, good.
0: Didn't you. Um, I asked you last week did you enjoy the game against Australia, I presume your answer will be much the same this time, it was more <laughs> relieving than anything, right?
1: <laughs> that's it, enjoyed the results, that's for sure, Yeah, enjoyed when the 80 minutes were over.
0: It was um, <coughs> certainly a massive test for Ireland that maybe we wouldn't have foreseen given, um, given Japan's history and, and I think their physical size as much as anything, they're the smallest team in the tournament, uh, I, also the youngest team in the tournament, I think they're, they're six yo- years younger than... Ireland on average, but they, uh, they really put it up to Ireland particularly in the first half. Um, Tom Tierney mentioned after the game how you know, we've got no excuses and, and he wasn't uh, he made no bones about Ireland's o- mm. under performance, but I suppose from the fans' perspective, from all of our perspective, even if you're not going to make excuses, I suppose we're kind of wondering what are the reasons then for, for Ireland's struggles and, and what went wrong do you reckon in the first half in particular?
1: Yeah, as you said at the start, like Japan did play well. Um, a World Cup every th- this is a three year cycle just so that it kinda offsets it with the Olympics, but usually every four years. So at the age of the game, teams can change absolutely monstrously. New word. it's a good word, Sorry. yeah, exactly. We'll Google that. Um, in four years, obviously. Japan played really, really well. They put it up to Ireland. Um, Ireland probably coming on the back of the last game and then with some selection changes I again probably still hadn't found their feet and as a result of it that first half was a was a kind of a nervy half and um, but just to answer your question about like what is going on I think there's still there's still the girls finding their feet there's still an issue with just cohesion around our set piece and that's obviously our our first phase attacks were scrums and line outs which I'd expect us to change, I'd expect Ireland to change obviously for the next game, I'm sure that this is going to be the most stable team that we do do see Um, and then I think in the second half we just saw a more, a closer reflection of what Ireland are capable of but obviously you want them to start that way against France.
0: Yeah big time, I mean we'll come to selection for France later on we spoke last week about maybe the need to rotate the squad going, in, going into a, a game against Japan and I suppose, look, you, you couldn't have any bones about Tom Taney's decision to shuffle the deck to an extent, but I suppose yeah. looking at the game then against Japan, it probably inhibited them in some ways. I'm just thinking even of, of Japan's second try, like where uh, they almost roll over from, from the back of a scrum, but then they go wide and it's like Ireland have a new centre pair uh, centre pairing, Japan's thirteen. I think uh, Nagata makes a decoy run right through the middle. It seems to discombobulate Ireland's com- whole defensive line, mm. and it transpires then that the fullback gets the ball. Um, Ali Miller is kind of forced to come up and make this monstrous tackle mm. uh, to borrow your own, <laughs> borrow your own term. <laughs> but kind, you know, like she's she's fighting a losing battle. The fullback goes in. Japan are, are in uh, near enough to the post, and they end up fourteen 0 mm. up. Like how much of that, and just Ireland's, I suppose, incoherence in the first half did come down to those uh, changes in selection.
1: Well that's it, like it it seems to watch that we're firefighting a lot um, as opposed to being able to stick to systems you know be very organized in the defense have a really really solid set piece a dominant set piece and not be in this position but what's happening a lot is just that we're trying to firefight now because we're trying to correct a mistake that happened before which is based on correcting a mistake that happened before which is correcting a mistake that happened before the girls are way better than that and they know that too um so i i think there is there is a little bit of that i think in the first half obviously just those two scrums and the two tries that came from dominant Japanese scrums um, were down to um, cohesive errors, probably selection issues and as I said, you'd hope to see them change. They changed a little bit in the second half. I think intro- introducing Paula Fitzpatrick made a huge difference. Um, obviously, Eilish came on to make things a little bit more stable. But in, within that, and, you know, I'm no scrum expert, I can only relate to what, what that feels like in the back line. Um, but You know, at a a World Cup, everything is so intricate and everything so detailed. So even when your subs come on, even if they're tried and tested subs, there is probably a scrum that it takes for them to adjust. And you could just see every single time they had a base on changes that it just wasn't right. And then you speak about the centre partnership and there was just a little bit of uh, disruption that was caused. And that is down to probably players not reading each other properly, um, just on different pages, probably a second or two behind each other, which... Is, is why we saw two tries in the first half, I think.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you look at the, that first half performance, like Ireland, I think the first lead of the game came sometime around the 70-minute mark, which is kind of astonishing. Now, it's easy to look back on it with, with a smile, a, having won the game. But I suppose it comes back down to what we were talking about last week against Australia and that very often the execution was just off or simple handling errors. and put it down to the pressure that we spoke about last week. But also, I think... This week was slightly different against Japan in that when you're making kind of the same errors as you made last week, haven't spoken all week about eradicating them, even by making one, it's in the back of your mind again, it, it kind of uh, regurgitates the pressure that was on you in a sense because it's like, well, we've worked towards changing mm. this and, it, and it's not going to hand for some reason. Does, yeah. that, does that make an impact on a player?
1: No, it certainly does and I, I think um, we spoke about this briefly the last time about like the skill set, of, skill, skill set of an elite player, of a national player, of an international player is to be able to cope with problems, you know, because it doesn't go rosy and part of your ability to continue to perform is your ability to cope mentally with those knockbacks and, and this has been one of them, so when things don't go wrong it's your choice and it's your probably decision makers choice on the pitch I mean, they usually come in the form of, of the more mature players to be able to recognize that people's heads are down that somebody's made a mistake the same problem has happened again and to eradicate it now via some tactical things now be that um, okay let's just talk off the ball and say okay like our line speed was poor the last time let's blitz in the next line okay and let's put in a big ha- before you know it, momentum just changes mm-hmm. or Nora, try and let's get us out of this territory, which we don't like, we're too familiar with, so let's kick us down there, or a dominant scrum, or just somebody like we saw Ali Miller do that lots, just taking the impetus to say, look, I am just going forward, and Lindsay Pete did it quite well as well, Kira Griffin had a good few ball carries too, and it's just that intent that te- tends to just change the momentum when people, when the team are going from saying, oh, there's a few of these recognisable errors creeping back in again, I'm starting to get a little bit anxious and second-guess myself, to no. I know what we can do, this was our game plan, let's get back on game plan and let's start dominating this game.
0: Yeah, You mentioned Ali Miller, we might chat about her at at length in a minute because uh, she was obviously phenomenal but again I suppose the bench made a a massive impact for Ireland and uh, you'd kind of wonder I suppose as much as it is nice to have these players coming onto the field and kind of finishing the job in a sense why can we not implement this from the beginning and maybe take some of that pressure off his early doors? But uh, some of those performances that came on were, were amazing and probably got Ireland over the line once more.
1: Yeah, that's it. Like Ayla Shegan came on. I think that was in the first half and um, yes, that she exactly, was subbed. Yeah. And then obviously Paula Griffin came on, or Paula Fitzpatrick, sorry, came on. Um, Leah Lyons as well. Was Leah Lyons phenomenal. made a big impact too. So it would be interesting to see. I think they all put, well, y- you know, definitely Leah would have put her hand up. So it be interesting to see what this package, She obviously was the starting hooker for, for the whole of the Six Nations. Um, it is difficult, it is Japan, so going into the game you think you're going to be dominant against Japan and as a result you do need to rotate players. So I see the the reasons for that and also then when it's not working, the need to change it, which Tom obviously did. Um, Eilish made a big big impact in the scrum. Paul Fitzpatrick, what I thought she brought to it was stability. I know she knocked on a couple couple of, un, had unforced un air with, with her catches, which is just not like her at all. However, what she did try and do, which Annie Miller did quite well, which Claire Malloy I think, did quite well, is just start to attack the soft shoulder and start inside, whereas previously we'd seen her attack. She was very, very drifty, very, very lateral. Um, as opposed to just changing the the point of attack which meant i think Ali got a try from it Paula got a try from it and i think Claire Malloy um, made a little bit of ground from that too so that made a big difference in the second half.
0: Big time i mean Ali Miller's game breaking ability is, is uh, becoming quite the story i think of this tournament like uh, certainly i thought she was amazing against Australia like just in terms of we kind of mentioned it last week she half break a tackle to just get Ireland over that line this week she just went like nuclear, you know. <laughs> hot topic at the moment. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I mean, <laughs> Miller. Like, what I, what I couldn't help but notice watching the game back was say how often she would come off her wing and influence the game almost in midfield areas. It was like she went renegade the whole concept of position and just went rogue, and uh, the damage she was doing was pretty spectacular. I mean, she is one of the real pro- one of the real pros I suppose to come out of this mm. uh, tournament from Ireland so far.
1: Yeah, she is. Like, Ali Miller is an is a sensational athlete she is incredible as an attacker or as a defender sorry if you see Ali Miller walking or running at you it's not a a pretty sight believe me and it's very very hard to take her down Um, but it's her intensity and her intent that she brought to the game um, and her aggression and absolutely everything that she did that unfortunately that she was out in the wing if she had been a little bit closer in maybe some of the other players could have just fed off that a little bit more but I think she and it was only more so on reflection having watched the game back a second time when I saw all of her contacts were really really impressive I think she got her try in the 45th minute which we said was just stepping out and just ducking back into that soft shoulder and her ball carries etc some of her defensive hits were really really fabulous and she blocked down a couple of different different kicks as well which changed the momentum of the game I think in the second half too so you know, top-notch performance by her.
0: She strikes as the kind of player I think that could almost evoke a similar response from teammates. Like when you see somebody leading the charge like that, you surely mm. feel compelled to kind of join her on what's a, at that time a one-woman crusade almost.
1: Yeah, no, and agreed. And I think what's happening at the moment is is Ali is lethal in attack. Um, but I think potentially what's happening is because of the back line attack being a little bit more lateral than it should be or could be is it means that she's probably receiving ball that's just already pre-marked you know she has two or three on her so she's probably going to be least effective when just getting the ball from hands where she's most effective is popping up in the midline as you say or just popping up inside 10 or outside 10 for example or in loose play Ali is lethal because she's so hard to pull down and usually takes two players to pull her down. If you have open play from a like a poor kick receipt, for example, um, that disorganises defences. Then if she has one on one one player, then you know it's only going to come way, come one way.
0: Yeah, well, we mentioned uh, Ali Miller. We mentioned her teammates. We did catch up with the great woman herself to get a, a little bit of an insight into the Irish squad. So uh, let's hear from Ali now.
2: but uh, i suppose i've roomed with hannah tyrrell a lot this year and i can't complain she's not bad so we will give it hannah if she's given out about me now hannah i'll take the stripe right back oh it's the worst room it would have to be someone very similar to me that's not good with schedules and so that would be jenny or larissa will do not we just we're not that they're bad to room but we're just bad together <laughs> There's so many come to mind that I can't I can't single anyone out. Like if you weren't hard working, you wouldn't be on that team. So I I can't even answer that. The best passer obviously our tens are going nines and our tens are our best passers probably. And yeah, obviously the other girls will be good passers are you know playmaking twelves and I think in general we have a lot of good passers. So uh, probably the best passer wouldn't be me. <laughs> but um no yeah we've our 9s and 10s and playmaking 12s. Who's absolutely... I'd have to say Jenny, because she absolutely destroys people. I'm just glad she's on my team. Best dancer, that'd be me. I'm joking. I'm not, though. I'm (laughs) a joking. 100% Anna Caprice, best dancer on the team. Yeah. Funniest, oh god, there's a few funny people there Lindsay Peet, Ayla Egan, Jenny Murphy,
1: there's a, a few characters now in that team. Oh, Jesus, the worst,
0: right No holes barred there from Ali, as per usual, fair play to her. We've got a, <laughs> a couple of questions here for yourself, Lynn. Uh, one of them will lead us on to discuss, uh, discussing France, but uh, to begin with, Quiva Morris asks, uh, what do you think was the turning point of the match against Japan? How did Ireland manage to turn it around? That's from
1: Um I think a couple of the turning points were um, tactics that you would hope Ireland will implement in the French game um, and they were turnovers via probably Eilish Egan actually and that, was, that came from aggressive line spe- and aggressive defence and just good decision making around Rooks. I think there was two opportunities that Japan had in Ireland's 22 where um, there was aggressive line speed from I can't remember who led the line up and then Eilish went in for the Jackal and turned over the ball so that was probably one of the turn I think that was about 51 minutes Um, similar the. The block down by Ali Miller, I think that was more 50-51 minutes as well. So I think they were the turning points. Um, now what you'd expect to see obviously is Ireland be able to capitalise that and be more effective then when they get down, but you know all it takes is just one, one action to trigger like a response. So uh, I think that was it.
0: Yeah, I suppose those, those kind of moments as well when you've got the size of the crowd that we have and like the atmosphere is <laughs> fairly electric. You get these kind of swing moments in games, and when you get a crowd on their feet, like like those moments did, perhaps it can spur the team on. I suppose, in the sense, you're all, you're going to be aware. Obviously, you've got a crowd on, on your side for the majority of the game, but for the crowd to sort of raise their volume and, and as such, that can be a kind of a spurring moment for a player when yeah. you, when you kind of realize, oh, hold on, like. we're we have a game going on here
1: yeah know? absolutely and there's just those little triggers just those little triggers that just snips, it snaps you into we can do this as opposed to over oh, on the back foot but what it also does from a Japanese point of view because those two turnovers were in the 50-ish minutes 50-60 minutes and um, it took the impetus out of the Japanese tail too you know so if they I think at that stage it was maybe 14-14 mm. um, or 15-14 or and if Japan had a scored at that stage, that would have been quite difficult to come back from. Turns out we would have come back from it obviously, but um, that allowed Japan not to score, which obviously allowed Ireland to come back.
0: Big moment it was indeed, uh, Brian Sullivan asks, will our defence cope with the French attacking flair and the Ferns further down the line? So Brian does reckon I suppose our, our defence would cope with the French attacking flair. We might start with France before we, we get on to New Zealand down the line. but. I suppose we mentioned the crowd there and like as much as it might be a factor uh, for Ireland in terms of having a crowd on their side, France are extremely used to having massive crowds. Mm. I mean the attendances at games in France is is phenomenal so I don't necessarily think the atmosphere is going to be a factor for this French team but maybe start with Brian's question even Ireland's defence, how does it cope with that France team we've scored you know I think over 120 points or maybe 120 flat compared to Ireland's 42 so far?
1: Mm. How do we cope with it? Um, I think the main thing is you always need to focus on yourself. Um, I think importantly will be in if we're if we're focusing on. Snuffling out France attack. That's why I'm going straight to defence as opposed to Ireland's defence being the only thing we focus sure. on because I hopefully they'll get lots of chance to attack, you know. Mm. Um, but it will be line speed, aggressive line speed, and no missed tackles. Or well, not no missed tackle, but seriously reducing the amount of missed tackles because I think it was 22 in the last game and 25 in the game four. Um, so line, line, line speed, really, really aggressive line speed because Japan love keeping the ball alive, they don't like rucks, they're clean at rucks and make the good decisions at rucks, however they like to keep the ball alive and um, they like to play their 6, 7 and 8 in the back line and they have some seriously fast powerful runners in their 6, 7 and 8 so if we let them get their hands in the ball and keep it alive then I think then we're under pressure whereas if we can dictate that whole phase by aggressively pushing up, making our first hit tackles then they don't have their hands in the ball to be able to exploit.
0: Yeah it's almost like on the flip side of it then um i don't know if attack is necessarily the best form of de- defense against this french team like they're they're fairly uh proficient in defense themselves but one of the things we've seen now probably across the two games for Ireland so far is they're kind of like i, I guess straight up runners and it, it's quite a it's quite a stagnant way of attacking in, in the back line there isn't too much complexity to it mm. and, and it is a, a kind of a physical get over the line approach as opposed to go around mm. players can that actually work in Ireland's favour against France as opposed to maybe inhibiting them? Or do you reckon that they do, do need to expand a little bit and, and be a little bit more expressive in possession?
1: Yeah, I think I think we need to, just based on the trends so far, I think we actually just need to keep things simple to be able to consolidate. Um, and I think that let, let's work on that for the first half and then see what happens in the second half. But I think in the first five minutes of the Irish attack, there was probably four or five examples, some brilliant, brilliant ball carries by Lindsay Peet, Kira Griffin and there's one or two by Sophie Spence, etc. And and they were quite effective. So if we can continue that momentum going forward, yes, it would be... I think one of the issues has been us coughing up possession. So, like you said, if France have the actual ball, then they can be threatening. Whereas, if they don't have the ball, they can't be threatening. So, and um, if we, when we do get the ball, our, our set pieces and our handling errors, we need to cut them down completely because we need to keep ball when we have ball. Because, th- and then put those simple things into practice to be able to um, try and make ground of the pitch. And then the last thing would be obviously Nora's tactical kicking we don't know obviously Nora necessarily is starting but you know she has the ability to um, manage the game really really well which she has shown and when the last time that we beat France in the Six Nations that's probably what got us there was her tactical pitch position so probably those three key components.
0: You made a great point to me actually before we came on here just about the sort of change in scenery now for Ireland and how it might be of, of benefit just uh Moving up, up to Belfast, just a bit of a clean slate, you get away from this uh, the stadium despite the great atmosphere where you might have struggled a little hmm. bit in, in the first two games and it's like business end of the pool now, winner winner, go back home to, to wherever it is in, in the country.
1: Well that's it, so pool games finish obviously on Thursday and then everybody goes straight up to Belfast. So similar to what we talk about, those triggers of your ability to be able to sw- switch from something um, poor that's happened to be able to change it into something positive. Um, you need to be able to do that on the pitch or if you don't do it on the pitch you do it after in your hotel room or with coach or with video analysts, whatever if you still can't do that there then a change of scenery completely commonly will be a um, a useful way to do that too so this could be a useful uh, turning point in the competition.
0: Yeah we'll see how it plays out Uh, Before we go just uh, I wanted to pick your brains on maybe we hear now with all athletes anytime you interview them or, or hear them speaking on the radio or whatnot they mentioned performance rather than result. Performance is this buzzword that's come in, and, and I suppose the, the concept of it is that if you perform to the best of your capability, the result will follow. And we've seen Ireland maybe do the reverse of that in that they've probably, they've probably performed below their standards, but the results have come anyway. Mm. Going into this massive game now, and this is the defining game for Ireland really in this tournament, how do you ensure that your performance is on point? And if it is then I- against this French team, will the result follow?
1: Yeah, I think you have to focus on performance because, um, like all of the points that we've mentioned, um, if they correct a lot of those key metrics, they maintain possession, they gain pitch position, and ultimately it's an outcome-based game. You know, it's what happens when we get to the to Japanese, Australian or French 22, we need to get points to win the game. And as a result of it, it's an outcome-based game which needs performance metrics to be able to add in or to feed into that outcome results we know that we can win games we've done that for the last two and um, but relying on um on Probably an emotional performance is not sustainable. So we need the combination of the two We need to be able to be really really tidy in all of our key metrics then be able to be resilient be gritty be hard Comeback ability all of those lovely things Um, and then you choose your style according to how the game is going
0: Yeah So if we can amalgamate the two would be a fairly potent weapon before we go are they going to do it? They will Easy, easy, <laughs> as, uh, as you like. I like the sound of that. <laughs> well, listen, that is all we've got time for on the 42 Rugby Show. Thank you for your comments and for tuning in. Uh, we will be back after the France game. Um, well, I suppose when we win the game. Now, according to <laughs> to looking forward to it. Cheers. Until then, take care.